Hi, beer friends. Welcome back to Brews with Broads. It's me, your host, Hannah Keim. I am so, so pleased to welcome Ash Elliott to the podcast this week. Ash is an incredible change maker. She is the founder of Women of the Bevolution, which aims to connect women in the industry, find resources, job opportunities, and help them share their story and inspire others. I mean, come on. She is also spearheading, along with Brianne Allen, the Brave Noise Beer Collab, a global beer collaboration that advocates for safe spaces and inclusive work environments by requesting breweries be transparent with their policies and commit to long-term work. And she produces a podcast, and she's working on a festival safety project with friend of the pod, Courtney Eisman. Does this woman ever sleep? I'm so grateful she took the time out of her busy schedule to talk to me, and I think you will be too. And stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode for a very special announcement about the Brews with Broad season finale. Enjoy! Ash Elliott, welcome to Brews with Broads. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm very excited. You're joining us from sweltering Los Angeles, California. And yeah, it's, it's pretty hot today. Yeah, I'm joining us. I'm joining myself from sweltering Brooklyn, New York. So we're both just like schwitzing in. We've turned off our air conditioners for this, um, for the quality of this podcast. Before we, you know, get into the nitty and the gritty, et cetera, do you want to crack a beer? And tell me what it yes. is. Yes. Yes, please. It's Desperately. been already a very long day. <laughs> I've been I've been waiting for this moment. Yes. So I have a beer that I brought back from Atlanta from Orpheus Brewing. And it's a Saison Ale Barrel fermented with native cultures and dry hopped. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to to try this one. That ooh, and the the um art is really pretty too. That sounds... Yeah, all their bottles have amazing artwork. That sounds funky fresh. Um, And I have, oh, oh yeah, she opened it. I was talking over I it. I did it too soon. No, you, and your your technique was so good that you could be like, she's a pro. Okay, well, I'm going to crack this um, peach berry punch from the one and only Talea Beer Co., which happens to be my employer. And my, actually, my fridge stash is pretty, pretty, uh, sparse these days so like sometimes you got to bring your work home with you so i'm gonna for old time's sake open this there's a hundred percent chance it's going to foam on my microphone because it's like a little warmed up sitting in here but here we go okay i lied that was actually uh not as catastrophic as it's been before all right cheers cheers i even brought a glass because i don't know i may have forgotten that part I may have forgotten the glass. I honestly, I go either way, but this felt, I don't know. It's my Friday. So. No, I, when I, when I ran to get a beverage before this, I had brought a little cup of whiskey as well. So I guess once that's gone, I'll use that. Wow. For a first on this podcast and an absolute iconic move. I think I. I think I might be losing my voice. So I was like, I might as well just yeah. uh, add a little whiskey. Whiskey is medicinal. As a singer, I it's a fact, I can tell you. Not a scientist. But obviously, we're here to talk about all of the – and in researching you, by the way, holy shit, you do so many things. You wear so many hats. I'm, I'm gagged. I'm gooped. Um, but before we get into all of those things, is that a thing? I'm like? terrified. I'm like no, terrified no, no. of what you found on the internet on me. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, your college papers and no, no, just all of the amazing things you do with women of the Bevolution and the podcasts you produce and just, we're going to get into it. Um, but before we get into your beer life, take me through like your life life. Where did you grow up? What did you study in school? Like, what's your story? Yes, let's take it. Let's take it way back, way back. Um, I'm originally from Orange County. I went to school out there. My family all is there. Uh, for those that are listening, Orange County, California, and um, went to Cal State Fullerton. So I, I pretty much grew up in Orange County most of my life, and that's where I actually started kind of venturing into the music industry. And I got my degree in communications. Started my own. PR agency for musicians and started booking bands, writing about music. I was also working for a business magazine there and just covering local entrepreneurs and um, 
some uh, fat, doing some fashion stuff for their magazine. And every chance I got, I would incorporate musicians or anything local happening in the music scene. So from there, I got, I actually had a radio show at a local uh, station called KUCI. It was UC Irvine's um, radio show. I did it on a whim. I hated hearing my voice. I did not, I never thought I'd get into radio. So I started doing a show there and it kind of developed into what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to support independent artists. I want to work in music. I'm going to do this in Orange County. Did it for a couple of years after college and realized it was time to move to LA. Made the jump to LA, been here now 12 plus years. And uh, I always wanted to work for a record label. So that started, that was like my next mission. I worked for an agency, started then working at Universal Music Group. I was working uh, frontline artists. So everyone from like Lady Gaga to One Republic to Imagine Dragons, to um, you know, all of our hip hop artists. It was like across the board. I was working whatever Interscope Records was a label, whatever artists we were releasing music uh, for, I was kind of working it and doing digital marketing and some PR stuff. And then I started going into catalog, working everyone from like the Beach Boys to like Ringo Starr, I was his project manager. Uh, I worked on a lot of the Christmas catalog, like, you know, anything from like Sinatra to like Stevie Wonder, the whole classic Motown catalog. And so, yeah, I was kind of getting uh, the feel of the industry. I really, I loved it. I was doing digital marketing. I was growing my career within Universal Music Group. And, uh, and then it got to a point where I was like ready to kind of like take that next um then take the next move. And I wanted to lead a department. And there was an opportunity at a label called BMG Recorded Music. And, and they focus on a lot of independent artists. And so I started doing digital marketing and like overseeing the, the department and had two people below me, which is something I've always wanted is to have my own department. And um, so that was such a great experience. I kind of I was there for one year. And I kind of was already a little getting a little antsy with music. I just felt like things we're just always the same, same politics. Uh, just, it was it just really hard to be a woman in that industry too. And it got to a point where I kind of wanted to go on my own and I wanted to look into other industries and hospitality has always been near and dear to my heart. I actually used to do food truck festivals, like one of the first uh, food truck festivals in Orange County and Inland Empire. I like did PR for one and directed another one and then also did some sort of food fun run thing that was like way ahead of its time. It was like an obstacle course and there was like food stations and all this stuff and people wore costumes. So I don't know hospitality has always been like a part of me. I love the food industry. I, I love going to my local bar. It's where I'd always see my friends after work. It was just like, you know, it's just a part of my life uh, every day. And so I made the move three years ago, three or four years ago, and decided to do some freelance in music and then started to venture into craft beer, which is really the industry I wanted to get into. And I was like, I'm going to try like every job <laughs> that I can to get as much experience and get a feel for the industry, but obviously still was doing some music stuff and some other projects just to kind of like, you know, kind of pay some bills and get me to where I wanted to be. Um, so yeah, so that was yeah, going on almost four years ago is when I kind of left the music industry. Wow. I mean, for <laughs> what seems like a relatively short music career, it sounds like you did a hell of a lot. That's wild. It is very wild. I think that every chance I I could, I always wanted to like further my career or like learn more or work more projects. And I think you know, that even happened when I worked in catalog. It was like I was doing digital marketing for artists. And then I was like, I want to be like project manager for these artists. So it was like I was doing full, you know, everything, the full marketing plans. But I liked it because I knew digital and I knew what every artist needed, especially in catalog. It's like these artists, like a lot of them weren't even on streaming services at the time when I worked them or, you know, were hesitant to get on Instagram or something, you know, so um, yeah, it was such an interesting experience and I'm so grateful it's taught me so much. And I think that's where, when I decided to go into hospitality and craft beer, I was like, maybe I can help, maybe I can bring them out of the dinosaur age and help them in uh, the digital space. 
as well as help them in terms of like their overall business and how they can be 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 better and um support women in the industry which i knew at the time there was not a lot but then you know it's interesting after six months into this whole freelance life and and kind of going into craft beer that's when I went to the Pink Boots conference. And that was like a further, it was a biannual conference in um, Austin, Texas. And I just wanted to win. I paid my own way. I couldn't even like be a member of Pink Boots at the time. And I was like, I got to go. Like I got to meet other women and see if like, is this something I want to continue doing? Because I didn't know, I only knew a few women in Los Angeles. But um, when I went to that conference, it was like, you know, over a thousand women globally were there. And I was like, okay, Maybe I should keep doing this. We're going to get to Pink Boots. But so you said you craft beer has had always been something you were interested in. Was there like a light bulb moment or like a gateway beer or how did you come to that desire to be part of the industry? Honestly, it wasn't an actual beer that got got me into it. And it's the same thing with music. The reason I got into music wasn't because, you know, when I was younger, I was obsessed with like you know, Jimmy Eat World or, you know, or like the Beach Boys or the Rolling Stones or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, it wasn't because I wanted, I thought it was so cool. Wow. Uh, and I love their music. I just want to like do whatever for them. It honestly was the connection. Like the same thing with music. It was like I this connection that it had with consumers and um, how you can just listen to a song. It totally like changes your entire mood and your tone and your day. And with beer, it was kind of like that. Whenever I got a break from my record label life, which was like nonstop, and I could go to my local like beer bar or, you know, brewery, I knew that I could like, first off, have a nice time. I knew like the staff, I, I, you know, I knew I can have something like have a beverage that is enjoyable and not feeling like I'm just here to get drunk and you know, whatever, and can't have a conversation because I'm too drunk. Like, I could go, I can enjoy my beverage, I can talk to other people there that, you know, haven't had like 20 shots of tequila or something, you know. (laughs) Um, And I, it just became like, this space that I felt super comfortable in, I could walk into like, again, my local beer bar, and I'd see friendly faces, I'd see my neighbors, you know, down the street, I'd see the bartenders who I know. And I knew that I could go there and meet up with like my best friend of now like 14 years and we could just sit and have a conversation and it's chill and enjoy a beer. So I don't necessarily think it was like one particular beer that got me into it. It's just that experience and that connection that I feel beer has and how it does represent community in a lot of ways. I mean, that's beautiful. No one's ever really... (laughs) encapsulated both that sense of community like as their gateway and it but it makes so much sense and I co-sign I'm with you so once you started dipping your toe started to like begin the pivot into beer what did that look like what steps did you take (laughs) she says with a with a sigh (laughs) I'm laughing because everyone knows this that I am I'm that person that will like talk to random strangers at a bar like I will cold call whoever and I'm fine with that and I think that's what you have to do when you do like PR promotions like I'm not a creator I will never be but I want to like promote the creators and I I'm gonna be that person that will like walk up to whoever and I'll have the conversation I'll go to that event if I don't know anyone and that's exactly what I did it was me just reaching out to people in the community. And thankfully, one woman I had known that I think she had worked in music a long time ago, and we had connected, but we hadn't like chatted in years. And I reached out and I saw her involvement um, locally in the beer scene. And I offered to help. I was like, can I help with any events, festivals, PR, whatever it is, like, let me know. So I started just working on staff for beer festivals, doing whatever they needed. I started just cold call breweries. And like there was a few breweries that were opening up locally and they're brand new. And I knew that they probably did not have any plans of how to have a, you know, launch event, get press there, you know, build their social media. And so that was it. It was me just kind of like reaching out to them and um, about like 
it's funny because about like six, seven, seven months in after I quit my job in music, I got, yeah, hired like freelance for like two breweries. They're both opening up next door to each other. <laughs> funny enough. So the one, yeah, was about to open. The other one was going to open like a month later. And I was like, well, let's just, how about I help both of you? And uh, they hired me for like a certain amount of time to help them with their event and also like bring in food trucks for that event and upcoming events. So I was doing kind of a multitude of things. I was beer tending a little bit. And that was the same time actually when I when I went to the Pink Boots conference. So really at that moment, it was like very weird because I couldn't actually be a member of Pink Boots until like a few weeks like after I went to that conference. It was just very weird timing. So so that's kind of like how I started out. It was really just like, and I, I went to all the local like events, like all the women in beer meetups. Um, you know, there was one thankfully locally, like Indie Brewery was doing them like every few months. So I would go there and I'd just talk to everyone. I think that's what you have to do is just talk to as many people as possible. This, I had this as my, on my list of questions for you and listening to you, I feel like I have to know, I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I feel like we have similar experiences and I've talked to people with similar experiences that they were like kind of dipping toes and like not really all the way in beer and sort of feeling like outsiders. Like at, I guess I'll speak for my own experience. The first few, like even industry nights I went to for the New York City Brewers Guild or like the first couple women in beer events I went to here, I was working, I was beer attending one night a week. And I was like, I am an, I don't know if I belong here. I feel like an outsider. Did you ever during your that pivot period, did you ever feel that way? 100%. I was very intimidated too. I knew that I was brand new and I was trying to be very considerate and respectful of also just other women in the industry. I I knew I wasn't going to be able to just walk in and I get a job immediately. Like I knew it would take work and I wanted to do the work. I wanted to you know, get educated. I wanted to talk to enough people. I wanted to try different aspects of the industry before, you know, anything too. And yeah, I definitely, I felt that as well. And that does bother me on a, a few different levels. Cause I actually have like, there's women that I meet that are beer tending and I'll talk to them uh, at a brewery and they're like, Oh, like I could actually like join pink boots or I could, you know, I, I don't feel like I only do this like a couple times, you know, a week or a, a few times a month, but I would love to like be part of something like that. And I want to like learn more. So I definitely get, I got that feeling. Well, that segues us perfectly. I think, I don't know timeline wise, if this is how it worked out, but to women of the Bevolution, I want to talk about the platform that you are building, that you have built with women of the Bevolution. So talk to me about how that came about and like kind of your mission statement behind it. So this happened in the summer of 2019. I was about like less than a year into this new freelance and beer life. And it was a few months after I went to the Pink Boots uh, biannual conference too. And I think, you know, understanding how I was feeling that past year and how I didn't feel like there was enough resources for someone that just wants to break into the industry or learn I was like, well, maybe I should just kind of start my own thing that is a bit more, you know, open and inclusive for women that maybe even just want to learn more about alcohol and be in a safe space with one another. And so that's where Women of the Bevolution came about. And first, it was kind of focused on, you know, just featuring women in the industry and, you know, providing any news about like educational opportunities, scholarships job opportunities, like really my goals, like with that was like to get women in more jobs uh, in the alcohol industry with an emphasis on beer. But I was also trying to do events too, where it was for women that work in the industry, or they just want to meet other women that can enjoy a cocktail and talk about it. And again, be in the safe space. But, you know, over the last few months, it's, definitely changed. And I don't know if uh, maybe when I started it unconsciously, maybe it was like, I knew this might happen or like, I need to create this own outlet so that it is here and available and a platform for women to share their stories and to address very important topics that are not being addressed enough. And the last few months, it's definitely evolved mm -hmm. into more of a, 
advocacy platform to, uh, you know, to create a call to action of what needs to be changed in this industry. Because as much as I want to share job opportunities and get women in more jobs, like I want to also make sure it's safe for them to be in these jobs. And like, what can they do if they are hired by a company or if they're in these jobs right now to be safe and know their rights and know what they deserve? So, so that's kind of like now it's definitely just changed into being like this resource center for women and alcohol. I love the idea that like somewhere cooking in your mind, somewhere in, in that path in front of you, you knew that this would be how you would be helping. Like the, the through line so far, I feel of talking to you even in the last, what, like 20 minutes is you're a helper. Like you are a helper. You're a lifter upper. So speaking to that, obviously I know what you're talking about. You know what you're talking about. But let's, for my list, for the listeners, will you give us a little more context on the past few months? Like we all, you know, we've spoken on the podcast about Brianne Allen from um, Notch Brewing, also known as Rat Magnet on Instagram, and sort of the reckoning that she created on Instagram. Um, so yeah, tell us, tell us more about that, Ash. Well, to start, given the whole, this whole past year during a pandemic, obviously I think everyone has been thinking more and more about, I would hope thinking more and more about how they could help the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And for me, it was something that was top of mind, even, you know, last year, I I had wanted women of the Bevolution to maybe become a nonprofit. Like I, I definitely felt like this, this, this platform I was developing could really go somewhere. And oddly enough, given what did happen in May, that kind of initiated a Me Too movement because of Brianne Allen of Notch Brewing, I felt like, yeah, okay, this is my time to step up. And yeah, for those that may not be aware of what happened exactly, Brianne did a call out on her Instagram asking other women in the industry if they had ever experienced sexism, like in in the beer industry, in the workplace. And she received hundreds of responses. And she started to share them on her Instagram, Instagram stories. And it's the amount of exposure and conversation it got was enormous. And that has never happened in the beer industry. The beer industry has never had a Me Too moment. There's been like some things that have popped up here and there, and then they're just gone like after a week. But this was like, okay, something is happening. And I had to be a part of it. I was like, whatever it takes, I'm going to do whatever I can to provide resources for any of these women who are sharing stories, anyone that needs immediate help. And I just started doing that with Women of Evolution. I I even like, I don't know, a few other women I, I met via Instagram. We started like a Slack group. And it like, you know, got to like about 80 women, you know, within a couple of weeks, we're all like, okay, what can we do? And of course, women are always like scrambling to do something where we're just like, really, it's on the men that need to do something. (laughs) But, you know, what, so we were like, okay, let's strategize. Like how, what can we do? How can we educate others? What initiatives can we put in place? What resources do women need right now? And I was like, okay, legal help. Okay. Um, you know, uh, like mental health support. And so I was trying to pull all these different people in the mix and just say, like, ask them, Hey, like, if I can, can I send someone your way? And women started sending me stories and it just, um, yeah, it just started imploding. And, um, and I felt like I, I I was like, I got to do everything. I don't even care what other (laughs) I had just started like some new clients too. And I was like, okay. Oops, sorry, guys. How, yeah. I was like, it was just the weirdest timing. It's really like, it's May, it's early May. Los Angeles is opening a little bit back up. So that's also why I started to have some clients that want to maybe do events and things. And so I'm trying to juggle that and everything that's going on um, that, you know, that Brianne's been sharing. And but I was like, I'm all in it. Like, I can't, I like, this is the time. I feel like I made this platform probably for this moment. And um, yeah, so since then, um, Brianne and I have started to, you know, talk and kind of put together different initiatives and it, uh, it has definitely grown. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really grateful that I, I'm, I'm like in this place to be able 
to provide resources. I'm glad that I am doing freelance and I'm not tied to a specific brewery right now because I, I totally understand where women are coming from by being tied to a brewery. It's hard to like speak up. It's hard to like let the male owner, you know, that what's going on and they need to do this. So if I can go and get other women that are in that same mindset and have that same flexibility like me that we can go and kind of like speak for them and share their stories and let's do it like this is the time i have full body goosebumps and did pretty much the entire time you were talking because you're you're on fire and i think that what is one of the many things that touched me about what you said is that my concern through all this was that okay we're hearing these stories and these are all horrible and we're all i think being extremely triggered by the stories that are being shared, but what comes next? And like, it's not enough to just say like, oh my God, that's horrible. And I think what you, the service you're providing for lack of a better term is helping to facilitate the longevity of this movement and not just make it like a, a one-time flash in the pan type thing. That's what me and yes, and Brianne and several other women are trying to do. And it's extremely tough because we've seen this in other industries, right? right? It's like in entertainment, it just happened in advertising. It's like there was this moment and then it just like died off. Mm -hmm. And as much as like we understand that could that could happen, we have to address it now. And I think, you know, it's it's really interesting in conversations with people I've spoken with, actually within some males that are just like, I couldn't, like when this started happening, they're like, I couldn't even like go on social media for a while. I just, yeah, I felt so sad and upset. I'm like, what? I need you on social media. I do not take a break from social media. So it's just like weird how everyone is reacting because we need you to speak up. Like, it, especially men out there, we need you to speak up and women have done enough. And, you know, we, you know, they're, they're triggered. Like you said, they're triggered by these stories. And I think that why, that's why it's also really hard for a lot of women to want to even have this conversation anymore. It's like, we've been educating men for however long. And it's like, oh gosh, now I have to educate this and that. And yeah, it's exhausting. Right. And I, <laughs> that's, you brought it up and I was going to ask you like the idea of, it's always the marginalized group, right? Whether it's women, whether it's people of color, whether it's the LGBTQ community, it's all, it always seems to be the marginalized group that is tasked with making space for themselves and educating when truly it should be flipped. And in the case of what we're talking about, the men should be the ones putting the work in. Okay. Yes. Yes. And I think what's really even interesting, and I may have just taken away your question, but with this Brave Noise initiative that Brianne Allen and I have launched, we're hoping that, you know, this is kind of a way for men to step up because let's be real majority of the industry and majority of breweries are owned by men so we're hoping that with this collab that they step up they chime in they get involved with this initiative which is a global brew that is advocating for a safe and discrimination free industry and the reason why we think this collab is different than others out there is that we are actually asking them to kind of check all these boxes before they can be part of it. And we want to see, we want to see what the actions are. And that includes, they have to submit a code of conduct and let us know what resources are available for staff. And we have like a helpful guide. If anyone needs assistance, we have HR Uprise is available for consulting. And once they submit that, they're also confirming to the long-term work that needs to be done for change in this industry. And they have to donate a majority of proceeds to a verified nonprofit. We have a list of nonprofits and it's charities that are focused on creating safe spaces. They focus on harassment training, diversity training, mental health services, and even legal aid, if anyone in the hospitality industry needs that. So we're hoping that, you know, through this, that it kind of allows consumers to hold them accountable, you know, like post your code of conduct publicly, which is also part of the initiative. They have to do that. It either needs to be in the tap room, on their website, 
or like via the QR code on the beer cans. So that's like one way we're hoping that they make this commitment. If they're not living up to what they put out there publicly, then people can call them out. That's brilliant because, as you said, there are so many, you know, initiative beers and collab beers, quote unquote, for a good cause these days, which on paper is great. But the idea of holding breweries accountable as a consumer via these collabs and initiatives is so much more challenging. And I really applaud you all for figuring out a way to do that because it's so easy, right? Like last year, so easy for any brewery to be like, oh, and of course, I don't know the behind the scenes of how Weathered Souls did it, but oh, we did like we did a Black is Beautiful beer. So like we're good, right? Like, mm, but are you? And actually, do you so do you have a process for like, let's say um, a brewery that is known to be abusive or run by an abuser, et cetera, reaches out and says, like, we want to be a part of this. What does that process look like on your end? Yeah, that has happened a few times. I imagine so. Yeah. And it's going to happen a few more times. I'm already expecting it. Mm -hmm. And one example is, yes, uh, and I want breweries to know that we're willing to work with you. And I understand that's not what everyone wants to hear, but we want change. So if we can help guide you in that process of what it takes, if it means that you need to remove people from your company, if you need to hire a third-party HR person, if you you know, need to put in certain safety measures, uh, harassment training, all that, like, you know, we want to help you do all that. And so to your question, yeah, I mean, I've gotten a few emails about that. And I will directly address like, if they submit, and they haven't like reached out saying like, hey, yeah, we've had a problem or da da, I, I will just actively reach out and be like, hey, I know what happened. I know what story that was shared about you. What are you doing to address this? What are the actions you're taking? So yes, and they will send me those actions. And if, if we don't feel like it's meeting those standards, we're like, we'll give them kind of a guide. This is what you can do. And also we have the right to not promote you or put you on the website. Mm -hmm. So if you're not completing these tasks by this, you know, by the time this beer is released, then we're not going to promote this. Like fine if you brew the beer, but if you're not making changes, you're not part of this initiative. You're not like part of the change that we want to see in the industry. Right. And that also speaks so well to, (sighs) as much as I hate to use this phrase, like this is the phrase, the idea of cancel culture. Like we're not trying to cancel anybody. We're not trying to eradicate, you know, certain breweries off of the map, but they need to do better. And it sounds like you are generously taking the action through Brave Noise to like help them do better and help educate them. We're definitely trying to take that extra step. I think when Brianne and I started to discuss the collab and she reached out to me more on the resource side, we both knew that we had to make this different than other collabs because I think there was some obvious like issues with, you know, the Black is Beautiful initiative, which I think was fantastic in terms of the exposure it got. But it was like, what what are the actions? I think it's great that all these causes, you know, were, you know, getting that exposure and hopefully getting those donations. But it was like, what are these breweries now doing? Mm-hmm. And I get it. There's like no one out there to hold them accountable. And it's like, that's not on Weathered Souls. I would never like ask them to do that. It's like, we need like a third party that's like actually going out there. And unfortunately, there's nothing like that in the beer industry. There's no better business bureau for the <laughs> beer industry, you know, that can go out and be like, hey, are you like, is this a safe space? Is it, you know, uh, is it inclusive? But, you know, I think that's why we're trying to do our diligence and talk to as many people as possible and just let them know and be educated and have the resources they need to do better. And so we're giving them this kind of like opportunity, like, hey, okay, you have issues. So address them, do this. If you don't do this, then, you know, I can't, I'm not going to control 
like if consumers call you out or other breweries or, or whatnot, but like we did our diligence to let you know what needs to be changed. And the same thing with the nonprofits, that's why we have a verified list and I'm trying to connect with every charity so that I know if a brewery actually did donate to that organization. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not lip service. It's putting your money where your mouth is. Exactly. Tell me about the actual the recipe, where that came from. Brienne is the obvious brains behind this beer. Um, mm-hmm. She actually had brewed Brave Noise prior to this Me Too movement that had happened. Well, it wasn't named Brave Noise, but they had brewed this beer and um, and then they did release it as like Brave Noise, but she didn't know that like it would be part of like this movement, right? It didn't, she didn't know it'd like fit in so well <laughs> with what was going on. And I think at the time, you know, it's funny because I asked her about it. I have not tried it yet, but I'm really looking forward to trying it because we have part of my homebrew club here in LA, Sokol Cerveceros, who did, who helped on the homebrew recipe. They're going to be brewing it. And so I can't wait to try it here locally. But for those, yeah, that are listening to get a sense of what kind of beer this is. So it is, uh, it's a pale ale and it's dry hopped with mosaic and sabro. It's hop forward, bitterness, like notes of grapefruit, pineapple juice. I think what she was trying to do is like get more of this like tangerine flavor. And then it's a 4.5 ABV. So obviously wanted to keep it a little light. It's all about the mission and the cause. And and really this what what happened after she brewed this beer before kind of like the Me Too movement. And then during everything in May, people were actually reaching out to her and were like, could this be a collab brew? Like we love the name. Like we like what, what it represents. And so then she was like, okay, yeah, let's make this a collab. So why not? <laughs> that sounds so delicious and very approachable. Exactly. Where can people find out more about, I know you mentioned that there's like a homebrew option as well. How do people get involved if if they're a homebrewer, but also, I don't know if any, if you are a brewer who's listening to this, who somehow doesn't already know. They might know, or maybe they're, ignoring it but uh yes for brewers home brewers and even beer drinkers if you want to learn how to get involved it's just bravenoisebeer.com and there's um, different sections for commercial brewers and home brewers and um, for all the home brewers listening to we actually just started to do a guide if you want to uh, host your own like fundraiser and so that was courtesy of the Women's Beer Summit. Michelle over there, uh, Women's Beer Alliance, the new like nonprofit she started, they started. And so they kind of put together this guide for home brewers if they wanted to kind of host their own fundraiser and kind of be involved and donate to some of these causes. That's amazing. And I'll link that website in the show notes, obviously, so people can just clickety-clickety-clack. Um, I feel like I have many other questions for you about Brave Noise, but there are other, you do so many other things. Oh, well, actually, before we move on, how many breweries do you have signed on so far? And like, are they all over the world? We have about 75. Obviously, we knew it wasn't going to be a lot at first. (laughs) Everyone's trying to get their ducks in a row, figure out their code of conduct. We're getting lots of inquiries, but we are, we have like a few in the UK. It's like a few in Canada, like one in... (laughs) Like every state in uh, in the U.S., you know, it's like, oh, there's one in Florida, you know, yeah. that is involved. And actually, there was a news article about like, oh, the only brewery in Florida to I saw that. collab, <laughs> to be part of the collab. And like one in New Zealand. So, you know, it's slowly kind of like catching on. And obviously, we understand there's a lot of other things going on with COVID, but um, you know, we need an awareness. We need more breweries to know what's going on. And I also say that like, if you're not part of our initiative, if you're doing your own thing, if you're trying to put in procedures and policies for your staff and you're doing other collabs or maybe you already did one, just let us know. Like, we just want to know like what you're doing to make a difference. Like if you just don't have time to brew the beer, then let us know. Let's just do something else. That's all that we want is that we want this mission to gain the awareness it deserves, and we want um, people to commit to the change that needs to happen in the industry. So I've definitely had some breweries that reached out. They're like, I, we can't brew this right now. Like, can we do a merch collab? Can we do an event? Like anything else that we can do to like spread awareness and show that we're in 
solidarity of what's going on. I love that. Even though your standards are obviously very high for participation, you're not trying to be exclusionary. You're just trying to help. You're trying to make a difference. What timeline are we looking at? Like, when can I drink this? I'm thirsty. Great question. Most breweries are starting to release their beers actually as of like uh, this past week. So um, I think you'll definitely see more in September, Mm -hmm. October. The collab does have like a timeline, an end date, and it's the end of December. We want to make sure that we're making uh, as much noise as possible right now and continuing the conversation, which is why we wanted to make a deadline. Even like the brewery uh, Orpheus Brewing, which I'm drinking their beer right now in Atlanta, they are releasing the Brave Noise beer next week. And so I think that everyone's going to start seeing more of that over the next few months, we actually have on the site, we're starting to add events that are going on. So if anyone wants to know like, oh, if my local brewery is going to have an event or release, you know, date for Brave Noise, you can check back at bravenoisebeer.com. And shout out to, I think, Jen Blair. Isn't she at at Orpheus? Yes. I always want to give a shout out to Jen Blair. I'm literally only ever shouting out Jen Blair. I'm walking down the street just shouting her name. I was waiting for the opportunity to talk about her, but she is also <laughs> Please talk about her. She is also a partner in our Brave Noise initiative and she actually spearheaded the homebrew recipe and has just been amazing on so many levels. She actually um, yeah, so she's the beer quality manager and, and education manager at Orpheus Brewing in Atlanta. And it's very funny because I went to Orpheus Brewing for the first time um, in like May or June. Time is all weird now. But I no, it doesn't I exist. went there and I had no idea that she would – I had met her in Atlanta too, like during that trip. And I had no idea that she would end up at Orpheus Brewing. And then she's at Orpheus Brewing and I'm like, What? <laughs> podcast listeners if you haven't already I had her on I did like a series of one like beer 101 breaking down the basics episodes and I had her on to talk about like tasting techniques and sensory and she just like exploded my mind in like with like her generosity and her knowledge so we love her and we love a woman we don't need to go down this rabbit hole but she fucking puts her money where her mouth is and she is like an action based human being so even more if you're not already on board with brave noise which why wouldn't you be even more of a reason to be on board like i said you have so many other freaking things going on that i want to ask you about tell me about your podcast that you produce yes so i am a partner with digital creator home brewing educator And podcast host, uh, Sarah Flora. She goes by Flora Brewing on Instagram and YouTube. She has really developed a following on both platforms now. She's like almost at 20,000 subscribers on YouTube for all of her brewing tutorials. Yeah, she's probably like the top woman in beer on YouTube. She's amazing. I met her a couple years ago and started to help her uh, with a little bit of everything. Um, Partnerships, brand stuff, kind of building her YouTube channel. At the time when I met her, she was trying to get it monetized and she was only like, I think she was less than like a thousand subscribers. So we're trying to like figure that that out. She got to a thousand. So she, uh, I helped her like get it monetized and I don't know, I help with like a lot of different things and she's here in LA with me and we, you know, she's, she's incredible. It's just to see like the amount of passion she has for brewing every day. I'm just like, what can I do to help support you? Let me just fill the cracks. Okay. Um, so that's where kind of the podcast came in. We were talking about some other platforms and things that maybe we should experiment with in the pandemic and the podcast idea came about. And so in like March of this year, we decided to launch it, but we wanted to take a different kind of approach on it. And we really wanted to give this opportunity for home brewers to hear from professionals in the industry and kind of add the story element so that it's like, we're talking about beer history and then kind of like what's happening today. And so we're now like on season two and it's been really like amazing to like the people we've spoken with have been just like across the board and like some some really funny topics which I'll get into that we just did but um yeah I mean we've talked to you know like Kelly from Yakima Chief Hops we've talked to um 
We've talked to um, Bob, uh, co-owner of like Collective Arts Brewing out of Canada and kind of like the art of beer and how they're working with all these different artists and musicians and doing collaborations. We um, talked with uh, like, we had a whole episode about like yeast found the weirdest places. We talked to Eric at like White Labs. I just listened to the one with, um, I, for, I forget his name, but from um, Hermit Thrush about how they picked, I had never knew, how they picked their location based on like the wild yeast in the air. It, it blew my mind. Yes. It was amazing. That brewery is amazing. And they're trying to go like net zero and are super sustainable and they're all about sourcing locally and foraging. And that's something that has always been so interested, interesting to me and Sarah, because she wants to open a brewery in Washington uh, where she has a house like in Northern Washington. And she wants to maybe do it like on her property, maybe have like a little farm. And so we're always talking about like, what can we do to like source locally? Yeah. You know, how can we make our own like yeast, you know, in our backyards, you know, things like that. And so it's been mm-hmm. so like interesting to talk with all these professionals, even like there's like one, the weirdest one is that uh, Sarah has such a interest in animals getting drunk off of fermented fruit, drunk animals, Obviously. drunk mm-hmm. animals. Mm-hmm. And we most recently spoke with um, Phil Torres. He's a biologist and he hosts this show on Discovery Channel called Expedition X. So he has all these stories about animals and, you know, and there's something about like drunk butterflies and I don't know, it's like (laughs) across the board. And, uh, you know, so it's just been really fun to be able to talk to all these professionals, but obviously like Sarah still talks about homebrewing and how it can kind of relate back. If you're a homebrewer and you're like, Hey, you want to like source locally your ingredients or you want to, yeah, make your own yeast, you know? Um, so we're trying, always trying to kind of connect the dots back to uh, homebrewing, but yeah, I, I edit. I edit that podcast and book the art, the, the artist. Oh my God. Book the guest. The artist, the podcast artist. Music is in my brain all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously we'll link that. I say we, I don't have a team. It's just me. I will link that in the notes because what I love about it is as someone who, as I've said many times on this podcast, doesn't identify as like a science person. I love that. Like I, I don't feel alienated by any of the like, homebrew science talk like it's fun it's silly sometimes but like very informative and the story is woven through really beautifully so thank you listen to it y'all exactly brewing after hours finally can you talk to me about so Courtney Eisman was a guest on this podcast a couple weeks ago big fan of hers um and she just released well this will come out next week but she just released uh, in her newsletter today a little kind of a teaser about a festival safety project that you all are working on together. What can you tell me about that? I love Courtney so much. Let me start with that. Very much. And I just talked to her today, actually. Um, ah. And listened to her on your podcast. <laughs> oh, Which was fantastic. And Thank you. so Courtney and I have been talking about this for a little bit now. And we've both been really hyper-focused on what festivals and conference and events are doing to create kind of safe spaces for customers. And after, you know, all these stories being shared by Brianne Allen, there were several that happened at like, you know, like CBC in Denver and, Mm -hmm. you know, beer festivals. And it really was just like, what can we do to educate others on this, this problem of, you know, women, are facing in terms of like harassment and sexism when they're attending the fest and also like working them. And given, you know, things are starting to open up a little bit more depending where you're, you know, you live and there's all these music festivals coming up and I worked in music and, you know, Courtney has also covered, you know, some music stuff. And so we were like, okay, what can we do to really like not only talk about the beer industry and these festivals, but like connect the doc dots back to music. And so we decided like, let's create kind of this series of content that's addressing, you know, the stories that have been shared about like harassment and sexism at these events and also help uh, bring in, you know, different sources and experts to let us know what can be done at these festivals. 
And so that's kind of like where it, where kind of the idea came about. And we were like, oh my gosh, there's so much to cover. Honestly, it's like, it's like a five part series. I'm like, but it could go forever. Right. Yeah. And so that's what we're just, we're trying to do that and really like bring exposure to what festivals can do. And uh, if you're doing COVID guidelines, then why can't you add in like harassment guidelines and like have protocol if uh, consumers need help? Like, what is that, you know, support system look like? How are staff able to address it? And also with vendors, like if a vendor uh, does something inappropriate, like what is that, you know, what is, what does it take to make them, you know, leave, leave the fest? How do you get, like, is there like a waiver they need to sign? Like, I don't know. It's just, there's so many different aspects of festivals. So I think that these are things that we all need to talk about. And as a consumer going to a festival, like what you should look for when you enter uh, the event, like where, like as a woman, we're always looking at like, what are the exit signs? Like how do how do I know where to go if there is an emergency? Mm-hmm. Like, where's security in the case that someone does something inappropriate to me? And do and it's like buddy system. Like, do, am I with a friend? If not, like, did I let my friend know that I'm going to this event? So it's just kind of like covering all those different topics and things that women just think about when they go to events in general. I've gone to a fair amount of beer festivals by myself for whatever reason. And so I think this is so so needed. So I'm excited to learn more and to keep all my listeners updated. Is that, where is that going to live? Can you tell me that yet? So that will live on Courtney's Substack, uh, Hugging the Bar. And also we're going to probably push that via Women of the Bevolution as well. So you can keep an eye out on both and you'll, you'll find all the content there. And you know, I'm going to be sharing the shit. (laughs) Thank you. Because I'm excited. (laughs) Yes, of course. I live to share all of the amazing things that my incredible guests, such as yourself, are doing. Ash, I feel like I could talk to you for like two more hours, but I'm not because you need to rest your voice (laughs) before we, we wrap up with, you know, a little quick fire challenge. Is there anything else that you want to plug or that you want to share or that I can link my guests to? Yes, First off, thank you so much for your time and this amazing podcast. I've been listening listening to it nonstop. And honestly, this is like my dream podcast, the way that it's set up and just everything that you're doing right now is is I I love. So thank you so much you. for having really me. Nice. I am honored. And uh yeah, for those that are listening, if you want to follow along on what's going on, uh, Women of the Bevolution on Instagram and the website's womenofthebevolution.com. And yeah, if you want to hit me up on my personal Instagram, uh, that's fine too. It's just Ash Elliot, E-L-I-O-T. And yeah, uh, we just, you know, help us keep this conversation going. And I'm here if any, any other women are listening that want to um, you know, need help or want to get involved or even any male allies out there that are listening, like want to get involved, just hit me up. Let's talk. You're amazing. You're a helper. Is it, wasn't it Mr. Rogers that said, find the helpers? (laughs) You're, he was talking about you, Ash. Okay. Without further ado, and this car alarm going off outside my apartment, this is real life. It's Brooklyn y'all. Okay. Ash Elliott, here we go. No pressure, low stakes, but the stakes are high. Um, In your opinion, what is the most overrated beer style? I'd say IPAs. They're just everywhere. Like, they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. I know. Some of you are going to, like, hate that I said that, but it's just they're everywhere. They're everywhere. (laughs) They're everywhere to me. You, Michelle Branch, you know it. Um, Wait. Can we do karaoke? Are we having, like, a karaoke break? Because I love karaoke. We're doing it now. Great. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. I've been singing a lot more on this podcast. And for that, I apologize. Cake or pie? Pie. Oh, okay. Most underrated beer style? Probably farmhouse ales and wild ales. I just, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I love both so much. <laughs> She's got the funk. She keeps it funky. Not maybe beer related, maybe not. It's not my not my choice. Um, what do your friends come to you for? <laughs> <laughs> Tequila mostly. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Great. Um, honestly, you know, 
I think given our conversation, I think you've noticed I am I'm I like to be a cheerleader. And I think that they probably do come to me to, you know, like they know that I'll support them in whatever decision that they make and I'm here to just I'm here for them in any capacity. But also like I'm a I drink a lot and have very high tolerance. So I think that's also why they're like, Yep, we're gonna invite Ash to the bar because <laughs> we know that she can actually keep a conversation while drinking. <laughs> Honestly, a skill. It is a skill. It, that's an underrated skill, I would say. In your in your whether it's in your days of beer tending or whatever the case may be, what's your favorite thing you've ever overheard behind the bar? I honestly cannot think of anything. We might have to like skip this question. <laughs> this is to be honest, this is I've actually thought about cutting this out because it's such a humdinger. Humdinger. Who says that? Because, you know, right, you're like working, it's 1130. Well, that's late for me. For most people, it's 1am. And you're like, I just want to get out of here. I'm tuning out. I'm not listening to these assholes. So like, you're not the first person to be. Yeah. Or maybe I just, I just, I'm always in my own conversations that I just don't really notice anything that's like, too crazy. That's great. I'm not pressed. Okay. 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 Good. At all. What is the last show that you binged and loved? Black Monday on Showtime is fantastic. I'm a really big Casey Wilson fan. If you haven't read her book, The Wreckage of My Presence. Look it up, everybody. It's great. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. What is your desert island beer? Like the style or like an actual? Like an actual beer. beer. Like if you had to drink one. Forever. One forever. Is anything forever? I don't know. That's really really tough. (laughs) Now we're getting existential here, and I just, I, I don't. I, I'm trying to think of, like, what I normally have, like, in my fridge, and mm. I have to, I mean, I, so I'm a big, like, sour fan, and though this is not, like, I don't have it all the time in my fridge, but I do have this beer next to me that I feel like I should just mentioned by three weavers and it's their sun trap and yeah so uh session sour sour ale and honestly like that's that's what what I I would want also like sours have like a little bit of probiotics which I'm all about that whole gut health you know thing so yeah I guess it would be something like that that's a great answer. Practically, it would sustain you on the desert island with the probiotics. It would be refreshing. Yeah. And three weavers. But Alex, she's a star. Like female All owned. signs point to, yes. And female yes, owned, baby. yeah. If you could go on a plane, get on a plane right now, COVID notwithstanding, of course, and go anywhere, where would you go? Italy. Because mm. during the pandemic, I went through the whole phase of should I buy this euro, one euro like home in Italy and revamp it and just start a whole new life in Italy? And ever since then, I've been very like, okay, I just want to learn everything about Italy. I have all the books. And I also did go to Italy once and my gra- I met my grandparents there. So it's always been like this very like interesting time in my life that I'm like, I want to go back. I want to really experience it. I want to see what, how the beer scene is because this was like before I even got into beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I think like Italy would probably be the where I'd want to be. I'll meet you there. Okay. I will tell you I was there last in 2017 and we were in Florence and there's like a bunch of craft beer bars and I was all in. So we're going. We'll buy that house. I'll help you rehab it. I don't have those skills. It could be like a timeshare for both of us. Like, why not? I love I love that for us. Okay. Well, I'll text you. This will be great. Ash Elliott, I have I had so much joy talking to you, so much passion, so much fire. I feel like I want to go out and change the world because of you. Um, you are too kind. Will you, will you take us out on that note with your favorite toast or just any old toast? Hit me. Well, first off, thank you so much for everything. And this has been wonderful. I hope we talk again in less of a recording setting, of course. And you're always welcome to Italy where we'll have a house. Thank you. But um, (laughs) I have to say 
cheers to giving no fucks, owning your shit, and speaking up. Cheers to that. Well said, bitch. Thank you so much. L'chaim. She speaks my language. L'chaim. Giving no fucks, owning your shit, and speaking up. What more is there to say? Talking to Ash really lit my fire. Her passion for making our industry safer and more inclusive for everyone is infectious. Ash and all of her projects really gave me hope for the future of our industry, and I am so grateful to her for her commitment to continuing the conversation. You can find links to the Women of the Bevolution website and Instagram, the Brave Noise website and Instagram, the Apple Podcast page for the Brewing After Hours podcast, and the link to Courtney Eisman's Substack in the show notes, so you can keep up with all of Ash's projects. Thank you to Ash for taking the time to talk to me, to Sabrina Rain at the Hoppia Shop for our graphic, and to Megan Bagala for our music. And of course, to you, beer friend. Can you believe I am getting ready to wrap up the first season of this podcast? And I thought, what better way to do that than with a live show? That's right, beer friends. Mark your calendars for Monday evening, September 27th. We'll be recording the final interview of the season at the Crane Theater in New York City. It will be a vaccine mandatory and masked event because I want to keep all of you safe, my little babies. And if you don't live in the New York City area, it's no problem. The event will be live streamed. Keep those eyes on my Instagram for a ticket link coming soon, as well as the announcement of my very special guests. I'm so jazzed, y'all, and I really hope you'll be able to join us. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.